It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon. This is Jason Vanderveer. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado with you uh, here on Calvary Live. Looking forward to a great hour of taking your calls, questions, and comments about the Bible and Christianity. Maybe you have an apologetics-related question, a prophecy question, uh, something related to the cults or current events, or you just need encouragement or prayer. encourage you to give me a call. The number to do so is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Jot that down. Punch it into your phone. Uh, make a note, as I've said previously, of your questions maybe during the week. And give us a call Monday through Friday here on Calvary Live. 303-690-3000. Or if you'd like to text me a question, you can do that as well. Although I'd, I'd rather talk to you if possible. But uh, but if you prefer to text, you can do so at 720 720-336-0897. Appreciate all of you listening uh, on Hope FM in Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. Of course, uh, all listening up and down the Front Range, Colorado, Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to all of you. And that number applies to everyone listening here, 303-690-3000. If you want to talk to uh, me here on Calvary Live, Jason Vanderveer, I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado. You can get more information uh, about our church, about myself, uh, if you're so inclined, at calvarychapelparker.com. That's calvarychapelparker.com, and uh, there's a lot of useful uh, resources there available to you, our online bookstore there, as well as all of our messages through the entire Bible, Old and New Testament audio video for you to download or stream. Just pick a book, pick a chapter, go through an entire book, uh, download it or stream it at your convenience, calvarychapelparker.com. Click on the Messages tab. Uh, our most recent studies are the Series 2 through the Scriptures. We've just gone through uh, the New Testament for the second time. We're back in the Old Testament now for the second time. If you want to join us uh, for one of our services Sunday morning, you can join us 10 o'clock at Calvary Chapel Parker. You can get directions at our website also, calvarychapelparker.com, uh, and you can join us at 10 o'clock. We'll be continuing this Sunday in the fourth chapter of Genesis, a message entitled Decline and Revival. Of course, uh, we see in that section most famously uh, the first murder, the first death uh, recorded in the scriptures, the story uh, of Cain and Abel right after the fall in Genesis chapter 3. And so uh, we see this uh, this decline at the time of, uh, of Cain, but we see also God's replacement for Abel and Seth, and we see a time of revival uh, in Seth and the line of the Messiah continuing through Seth. So that's this Sunday morning. 10 o'clock at Calvary Chapel Parker. You don't want to miss that if you're going to be in the area. If you're not going to be in the area, if you're listening in one of the other states or just another city that's not uh, really close to us or already have a church home, you're going to be at your church, that's fine, but you want to catch some of these messages, again, you can go online, calvarychapelparker.com, stream uh, or listen to it or uh, anything really that we're talking about here today on the show from the scriptures and different passages of scripture, you can always go and refer to uh, our messages uh, on those passages for additional information. 
information. Hey, encourage you though to give me a call here, uh, Calvary Live. What I love this show, and just I love being on this show because it just creates such a spontaneous opportunity to talk about the Lord and His Word. And I love hearing from you and your questions because a lot of times they're subjects that certainly we've thought about them before, uh, but we haven't thought about them in the way that you're asking about them. Uh, there's always a unique nuance uh, or aspect to your questions that make it so interesting and just your own personal experiences and the things that you're going through. We love to talk about that, pray for you, and encourage you from the Word of God. So give me a call here, again, 303-690-3000, and that is the number to call if you want to join me here uh, on Calvary Live. Again, as I said, I'm Jason Vandiver. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado, and uh, you can get information if you hadn't, haven't had a chance to become familiar with myself, uh, either through uh, our church uh, or the different ministries of our church, uh, or through different uh, times when I've had the privilege of being on this program, you can go there and uh, to calvarychapelparker.com and find out more information about us. Uh, I mentioned a service on Sunday. You can also join us on Wednesday nights. In fact, you can catch last night's message. We just finished up the book of Exodus on Wednesday nights. It's a message entitled, Finish. Finishing the work from Exodus 39 and 40, all about how the instructions were given in the book of Exodus, but finally the nation of Israel came around to that point where they were called by God to complete the work that he had given them, the work of building the tabernacle, the garments of the priests, all the furnishings of the tabernacle. And we got into a, a, an in-depth look at uh, finishing the work, what causes us not to finish the work, those things that we we need to be careful of uh, as believers and how we can be like Paul and say, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, I've kept uh, the faith. And so you want to go and check out that message. I know that uh, that is up and online right now at calvarychapelparker.com. You can click on the recent messages tab if you want to listen to that message specifically, a little bit easier way to access that me that message quickly uh, without going into our archives to look for it, although it is there uh, as well. Hey, 303, the number is this. This show is uh, most interesting when you call, and I've got all lines open right now. So if you want to join me, 303-690-3000. If you're in Colorado, Wyoming, 303-690-3000. If you're listening on Hope FM in Maryland, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania, 303-690-3000. I always love that uh, talking from folks. We get calls from folks in Philly and folks in, in Baltimore and uh, up and down uh, the northeast eastern part, uh, the northeastern seaboard and area of the United States there. 303-690-3000 is the number to call if you want to join me on the program here. Hey, I also want to extend an invitation to you if you haven't had a chance to visit Israel. I was just watching a, a video today called Promised Land, uh, a favorite of mine, and uh, I was looking over that video, watching part of it anyway, didn't get a chance to watch all of it, but just reminded me of how much uh, I love the nation of Israel and the people of Israel. We'll be back over there again next spring. And if you'd like to join us and you have the, the opportunity to do so financially and the time to be able to get over there, I encourage you to do so. A lot of people say that visiting Israel is like a year in Bible college. Uh, I say that it's like an entire Bible education, that you'll see the Bible and read the Bible in a, in a way that you haven't previously because you, you have, by experience, uh, a way to put it into context, places and people and uh, culture and all of that and as well, uh, just all of the great teaching of 
the scripture. We teach at 35 plus sites over in Israel, take you through the land from north to south, and you'll visit all of those sites you dreamed about, and even a few that uh, that you didn't really know about, uh, but will become special to you. Uh, we have an 11-day itinerary door-to-door. If you'd like to join us, you can go to calvarychapelparker.com. Click on the Israel banner that'll come across the page. That'll take you to a landing page that has a full-color brochure with the itinerary, all of the cost information, registration forms, travel insurance forms, and you can register for the trip. And then once we have that trip filled out, it's about half full right now. Uh, Once we have that trip filled out, then we'll get in touch with you or well before that, uh, but we'll begin sharing information with you to prepare you to travel with us. And if you have friends or family members uh, that want to join us, it doesn't really matter where they are, if they're here uh, in Colorado with us or if they're all across the United States. Uh, We've had folks from all over the United States and actually uh, other parts of the world travel with us. It's not really an issue to make arrangements for them to meet up with us over in the land of Israel. An amazing time. We'd love to have you join us and be a part of that tour. Just great worship and fellowship and study of the Word of God throughout the land of Israel. So if you haven't had a chance to go before or even if you have, and you want to make a return trip and maybe your church is, uh, doesn't have a trip planned or not one planned when you're able to go uh, take a look at our trip there in March, March 12th through the 22nd, I believe, over in the land of Israel. Now's a good time to be uh, getting in on this trip, get your place reserved, get your deposit in, begin preparing your schedule and saving up uh, for that trip. But how about uh, making plans to join me on this program here on Calvary Live, here with your comment, your question about the Bible, about Christianity, about prophecy, apologetics, cults, current events, whatever uh, the case may be, whatever your question may be, maybe you just need some prayer or encouragement, give me a ring here on the program, 303 690 3000 or if you prefer to text uh, you can text me your question and that number is 720 and uh, you can get through and get your t- your question in uh, via text but uh, a lot of people I, I I talk to they say well I listen to the program and I want to call in I've I've heard this many times I've shared this before as well they say well I wanted to call in but I, I was a, a little bit scared or or nervous to call in uh, well I always just encourage them you know uh, I've never had anybody say that after the fact I've always had people say that before the fact but people seem to relax and uh, when they're they're talking it, it just becomes a conversation between us that other people have an opportunity uh, to enjoy and to learn from and so my encouragement to you is uh, to pick up the phone don't be afraid uh, if you have something maybe it's something that you're studying currently uh, maybe you don't have somebody that you can ask a question to and you you have something that you just like to know about uh, don't be afraid to call and and ask about it and do your best to to communicate that and we'll help you with that and also uh, help you answer your question if it's something maybe that you heard on a Bible study or or something that you saw in, in current events and and you're just looking for some information about that we'd love to to help you out uh, with that from the Word of God, not from our opinion or our ideas or what we think, but from what the Word of God has to say. So uh, give me a call here, Calvary Live, uh, Colorado, Wyoming, Maryland, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. The number's the same for all of you, 303 
I think that's enough zeros, 690-3000. Or if you want to text, uh, you can text at 720-336-0897. Either one of those numbers work. I love this uh, Calvary Live program. It's been my privilege to host this show a handful of times or so now. And uh, some of you I've gotten to know as uh, regular callers now and just appreciate the conversations that we've been able to have. Some of you attend our church here and some of you attend other Calvary chapels or other churches. Uh, non-Calvary Chapel churches. We so appreciate you listening and making this program what it is because this is really a program uh, that's designed around the congregation and around the body of Christ and around the listening audience. And so many different uh, hosts throughout the week, Pastor Ed and Pastor Nate and Pastor Jeff and Pastor Eric and and, uh, I've Hopefully, uh, I, I forget exactly who else uh, I'm forgetting, but I apologize to the other hosts, so I may be forgetting, but I appreciate uh, all of their uh, efforts and, and what they do on this program, and I especially appreciate you as callers. 303-690-3000. Let's go to Steve in Thornton, Colorado. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, so I have a question. If uh, If... God says, like, his chosen people are the Jews. Why is it that um, they choose to reject Jesus Christ? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a very reasonable question. If God chose uh, a a certain group of people, why did they not choose him as well? And and at the bottom at the at the heart of that question is ultimately that that choice does not imply some sort of um, pre-wired requirement to respond. Um, in that case, they're they're God's uh, uh, God's special. Uh, the Bible calls them a peculiar uh, people, a people who are set apart. And and for uh, a, a big portion of their history, they chose to follow God as well. But obviously, in modern times, uh, the nation of Israel is is not choosing uh, to follow uh, God and doesn't recognize Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Um, Paul talks about that. He, he says that that right now the issue is, is that their eyes are veiled. And in other words, there it's as though there is a blindfold over their eyes, and so they don't recognize God. He, he's, of course, referring to Moses, who veiled his face uh, when he came from the presence of God so that the nation of Israel wouldn't see the glory that was fading, that glory uh, associated with the law. Uh, but the rea- reality is, is that right now, though they are the chosen people of God, that their eyes are, are uh, veiled to the reality of God, the truth of God in his son, Jesus Christ. But it's not going to always be that way. Paul says also in Romans chapter 11 that one day all Israel will be saved. Now, he makes a distinction as to what true Israel is and what national Israel is, and that's another part of the conversation that we can have here. And, and that he says, all, not all who are of Israel uh, are of Israel. And he talks about circumcision being a matter of the heart. And so there is nationalistic Israel. uh, There is... birthright Israel, you could say, and then there is spiritual Israel, and those two things are quite different, and one day all spiritual Israel, that is all believing Israel, all uh, of those in Israel who during the Great Tribulation we see are turned back uh, to God will receive his son Jesus Christ. Let me just add this, and then I'd like to get your feedback and your thoughts as well, uh, Steve, but 
But the other thing that I would suggest to you today is that's interesting is when you travel to Israel or when you meet uh, people from uh, from Israel, even Jewish people around the world who aren't uh, um, Israeli nationals, uh, you discover that the vast majority of Jews today uh, are secular Jews. So they, they don't even follow Judaism. They, they don't follow much religion at all. If they have religion, it's more in the form of tradition. Uh, and so there are very few spiritual Jews. Then most of the spiritual Jews that you have are either Orthodox or Reformed Jews or, or some other version of that. And then there are very few that actually receive Jesus Christ. So, so most people that are Jews today aren't, aren't spiritual at all. In other words, they don't follow anything. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I guess just a, a kind of a follow-up question with that mm-hmm. is, uh, so if Jewish people, like when they when they pass away, when they die, mm-hmm. uh, if they haven't accepted Jesus Christ, is there any difference between them and like a Gentile or just someone outside of the Jewish faith? Yeah, the answer to that is is no, and 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 the reason that is 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 it's helpful to understand how Jews are saved and and historically how Jews have been saved, and the answer is is that they've been they are saved the same way that we are. The only difference is is their their proximity. I like to say to the cross. In other words, the Jews of the Old Testament weren't saved according to the law. They were saved by faith in Christ in the Messiah, looking ahead. So they were looking forward to the cross. People like Daniel, uh, people uh, even before the law and uh, several hundred years before the law in in, in Abraham and, and before the Mosaic Covenant in, in Abraham, they were saved by faith. We see this in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews in what is known as the Hall of Faith. And all of the Old Testament believers, not saved according to the law, but saved by faith. So they were saved by looking ahead to the cross. Since Genesis chapter 3, there was this expectation of God's plan of redemption uh, in the cross. And, and so we see that, that very clearly throughout the Old Testament. We see that, that they lost that understanding uh, sometime before Christ. Uh, and so by the time Jesus Christ comes along, the Jewish understanding of the Messiah and what salvation is about is something vastly different than what it originally was. And, and today it's really an evolution of first century Judaism that, that we see uh, in the nation of Israel. And so they were always saved by looking forward to the cross. Of course, at the time of Christ, men looked to the cross. We, after uh, the time of Jesus Christ's crucifixion, look back on the cross, but we're all saved the same way by faith. And so we we all have but one opportunity, and that's in this life to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So there is no no doctrine of a second chance. There is no opportunity. Uh, the Bible says that it, uh, Hebrews nine twenty seven it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. And so our responsibility is in this life, and that's why this life is so important. And that is really the chief uh, responsibility that all men have in this life is. Who do you say that Jesus is, and what will you do with Jesus and, and his sacrifice? Okay, great. Thank you. Yeah, that uh, uh, really clarifies the question I had. Well, I appreciate it, and I appreciate the call and uh, giving me the opportunity to talk about that with you. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you bet. Take care, Steve. God bless, bud. God bless you, too. Bye-bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand, and let's go to Eldon in Colorado Springs. Eldon, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you much. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah, you bet. So, hey, I just had a question for you, because um, I know different churches talk about different things, but you had mentioned evangelism. Um, mm-hmm. A course that I've got a lot from is The Way of the Master. I'm not sure. Have you, are you familiar with that? 
I am, yes. And Ray Comfort, oh, yep. Yes, correct. And, you know, just using the uh, commandments to convict <laughs> someone who is, you know, still under the law, yet not yet um, forgiven. Okay, yep. You do have a need of a Savior, and you will be found guilty. And a lot of churches now, you know, they're saying it needs to be more your personal testimony, um, you mm-hmm. know, kind of the comfort Christianity. It's not fire insurance, but a relationship which, with God, which is true. But I just want to get your take on, you know, your thoughts on the way of the Master, the effectiveness of using that technique, and, you know, the woman at the well and the way Ray Comfort yes. um, attributes that to, you know, a first he, you know, convicted her and then offered the redemption plan for yeah. her soul. Yeah. Well— Paul says in Galatians 3.24, he says, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And so that's exactly what, what you're describing, and, and uh, that's exactly what I see in, in what Ray Comfort does with his ministry in the way of the Master, is they use the law as a tool, much as, as Jesus used the law uh, as a tool, in the example that you mentioned, to bring people to Christ. I don't believe that it's the only tool, uh, but I do believe that it is a very useful tool and can be, you know, one of the primary tools uh, that somebody uses to lead a person to Christ. I think that that a testimony, uh, if done in the right way, can can bring people to Christ. I haven't found that that my testimony uh, has been the way that usually God leads me uh, to share the gospel always, but uh, uh, but I know that it can be very effective. I, I encourage people to have a lot of different tools, though, in their uh, in their evangelism toolbox, if you will, uh, in terms of, because you approach different kinds of people, and different people uh, have different needs and different circumstances, and there are different opportunities. I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all, um, but I do believe, uh, as evidence has shown, uh, that that using, particularly as uh, Way of the Master does, using the Ten Commandments, as Ray Comfort does when he kind of goes out and does his uh, street evangelism, asking someone, you know, well, have you ever sinned? And, you know, and 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 asking him, well, have you ever broken the Ten Commandments? You know, and, and I like the way that he does that and engages people with that. I think that that can be a very effective tool because what you find is, is you find that people often think that, you know, well, I'm basically good because I'm better than somebody, this other person, or I've never killed anybody, or I've never, you know, uh, stolen anything, or whatever excuse uh, or thing that they want to cite. And what, what that has a, a, a way of doing, the, the way of the master program, has a way of really leveling the playing field and showing that there's nobody good. You know, we've all broken God's law, and we're all guilty of sin, and we're all in need of a Savior. And it has a way of breaking down the illusion uh, of self-righteousness. Right, yeah, like you said, it levels the playing field because good yep. relative term and right. Okay, um, yeah, I just wanted to check because yeah, I know some churches, you know, some of the newer churches, which I don't completely agree with, but mm-hmm. as Ray Comfort describes, they get away from that conviction and using the conscience to where, you know, hey, come to Jesus Christ because He'll make your life more comfortable, yeah. but not so much the whole truth behind you know eternity and heaven and hell being a real place. Well, and that's another that's another issue too with with evangelism as well because so it, it, if I share the gospel, but it's not a gospel based on, 
you know, that I, I have sinned and man has sinned and the person you're sharing with has sinned and that there needs to be repentance. So it's not a gospel of, of you know, man is sinful and we're sinful and we have a, a fallen sin nature. And the only way to deal with that is by accepting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross when he bore our sins. And if we're not calling people to repentance, if we're just, you know, uh, sharing with them this idea that, you know, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Well, that is true. Um, but there are other factors and the reason that we accept the gospel in the first place is because heaven is real and hell is real and sin separates us from God and forever is a long time to be separated uh, from God in suffering. And so we need to preach the whole gospel if we're going to have uh, true conversions. And I, and I think way of the master is is one way and a very good way uh, to share the gospel with people. They have, um, you may have already taken part in it. I will share people uh, with people out there. They have, uh, out, I think it used to be in California. I don't know if it is anymore. Um, where their organization is, where you can go out and go through evangelism training with them. Okay. Yeah, yeah I haven't, so, haven't been out there. It's all just been the, the videos and DVDs that they have. Yeah, and that may be the same information that they provide in their classes. We had a gentleman in our church uh, several years ago went out and, and attended their their program. I think it was about a kind of a maybe a week-long program or so, maybe just a few days in the week, maybe three days or so. And he went out, and, and uh, they have kind of a special training, or they used to, that you might check it out that they do there, and then they take you out uh, on the street actually uh, witnessing to kind of put it into practice. So uh, if you're interested, you may, and, and people listening, if they're interested, they may want to check that out. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, good information. Um, I certainly appreciate the insight. Yeah, you bet. God bless you, Eldon. Take care. Hey, God bless you too. But see you. See you. Hey, folks, if you want to join me on the program, great calls so far, uh, different calls, but very interesting topics from Steve there in Thornton, Eldon in Colorado Springs. Maybe you're uh, somewhere in Colorado or you're in Wyoming or Maryland, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, we can take your calls here and look forward to hearing from you. 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 uh, is the number to call if you want to join me uh, on the program here and uh, love to hear from you. I'm Jason Vandeveer. I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in Parker, Colorado, and just a privilege to be with you here on Calvary Live, taking your calls and questions. Uh, really, I just, just love uh, talking with you and hearing what's on your mind, and uh, whether it's evangelism, whether it's God's chosen people, uh, Israel, uh, whether it's a prophecy question, a current events question, a specific Bible verse that you have a question about, give us a call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Josh, Green Valley Ranch, Colorado, Great Calvary Chapel and Green Valley Ranch, Pastor Wally out there. Uh, appreciate you uh, joining me on the program, Josh. Yeah, no problem. What's on your mind? Well, I just have a question. You know, I was reading Leviticus, and uh, I just came across a, a scripture that said, well, can't get tattoos to honor the dead. Why is that? Well, first of all, yeah, let's kind of broad picture tattoos. People usually ask about that, and then we'll get into the specific aspect uh, of, of your question. But uh, broad picture tattoos, people say, are tattoos good or tattoos bad? You know, what, what, do we, uh, what do we make of these things? Well, the Bible doesn't specifically, and I know this isn't your question, uh, but the Bible doesn't specifically prohibit uh, tattoos. It just prohibits tattoos uh, in certain contexts. And the context uh, that you bring up there from the Old Testament and from the book of Leviticus was in uh, kind of 
worshiping uh, the dead and was in fallen cultic practices. And so um, they prohibited them from marking their bodies, uh, not just tattoos, by the way, because if you look at that passage in Leviticus, it talks about uh, uh, tattoos, but it also talks about odd ways of shaving their beards as well, if, if you remember that, if you're looking at it right now, or if you remember looking at that. And so there were all sorts of things that they did uh, in worship of the dead and in fallen uh, occultic practices. And so that's what the Bible is dealing with there. It's not saying, I don't, Personally, I don't have any tattoos. I don't have a desire uh, to get tattoos, but I know a lot of people. There's people in our church uh, that have tattoos, and, and some of them they've had from before they were believers, and some of them they've, they've gotten since they were believers. I've seen some pretty cool tattoos, some dove tattoos and scriptures and things like that, and I personally uh, don't have an issue with those, and I don't think that the Bible makes an issue with those. But it does in the one sense that you're uh, bringing up, Josh, and that's when it's done uh, in in a way that has a religious context or significance, which it did, particularly with the nations around the nation of Israel at that time. Okay. Okay? So it, it was involved, it, it, the short answer is it was associated with uh, fallen forms of worship and, and, uh, and satanic forms of worship. Oh, wow. Okay? That's so, interesting, man. Yeah, so it's just, it, it was basically just a, a cultural thing uh, at that time, and they were being forbidden, forbidden from taking part in that, from marking their body for that purpose. Okay? Oh, wow. Oh, well, thank you. You bet. Well, well, I, appreci- I came yep. up a couple times, though. <laughs> well, I appreciate you calling in. I got to run here. I got to take a break, but God bless you. Uh, we're going to go out to a break here. God bless you, Josh. Hey, folks, you're listening to Calvary Live. Jason Vanderveer here. If you want to join me after the break, uh, love to have you do so. Jot down the number or punch it into your phone, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. That's the number to call if you want to join me here on Calvary Live. Jason Vanderveer, I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel Parker. Looking forward to the next half of the program. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. And welcome back. Jason Vanderveer here on Calvary Live. So glad you decided to uh, tune in and uh, be a part of the program here either as a listener to the program or uh, as a caller. And if you want to join me on the program, 303-690-3000. That's the number to call, 303-690-3000. Let's go to Logan uh, in Loveland, Colorado, uh, who's been waiting patiently since before the break. Logan, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Um, So I just had a question. Um, I recently graduated from college. um, Okay. And uh, I had took an intro to religion class, and um, okay. my religion professor um, kind of made a side comment um, that just kind of caught me off guard. Um, mm-hmm. He said that uh, free will isn't biblical, and hmm. um, I just haven't had a chance to really look into that. I'm not sure where to look, and I was just wondering what your take is on for biblical evidence and what the Bible says concerning free will. Yeah, well, what I would say is is that uh, that he's uh, sorely mistaken, and what his comments reveal is not that he's not an intelligent person, but that he hasn't really read the Bible. 
um, and that he hasn't taken time to study the Bible because we see two things in relationship to salvation, two key subject matters. There's the sovereignty of God uh, or the uh, um, divine uh, election, and uh, then there is also the free will of man. And basically, the the reason that uh, so many things are the way they are in the world today, the reason that we're not all just mindlessly um, serving God is because we have free will. And we see free will throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, it says, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Well, choice is is inherent in free will, right? Um, if you go to the 13th uh, chapter of the book of Acts, the 48th verse, we see actually free will and election side by side because they work in tandem. And, and it says, as many as had been appointed to eternal life, so that's election, believed. And so belief, uh, if you choose to believe something and to believe something, you know, no one would argue that you don't have to make a choice as to whether or not you agree to it. Well, that's also uh, just another way of saying free will. So I, I think the problem that some people have is, is that the Bible doesn't use the terms that we attach to things today. And so we've got to look at them uh, in the way that the Bible describes them. And it describes them as, as choice. It describes them uh, as belief. And we see these things uh, throughout the scripture. We see them uh, in, in uh, verses together. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, uh, verse 13. We see uh, election and free will in sequence in Romans 9, 10 through 16, and then in Romans 10, 8 through 13, as I, I quoted to you earlier, Joshua 24, uh, 15, and, uh, and, and, and elsewhere. Um, but uh, throughout the, the scriptures, uh, we see that, that man has an opportunity to choose, and practically we see that, that we have uh, an opportunity to choose. Um, I'll recommend, since you, you sound like a, a, a pretty smart individual, um, it is a bit of a slow read because it is uh, very deep reading, but it, it's a book by Dr. Norman Geisler, and it is uh, called Chosen But Free. And it will deal uh, extensively with free will, which is what you asked about, but also with the sovereignty of God, which is important to understand both, uh, I believe, at the same time. And uh, so you can read through that. It's a, an extensive uh, work on the subject, Chosen But Free, uh, Dr. Norman Geisler, probably the best book that I've ever read on the subjects of election and free will. And, and I don't know if you're going to have uh, contact with your professor, uh, but perhaps you can uh, review this subject further and then maybe have some ongoing conversation with him about what the Bible really does say uh, about uh, free will. And it, and it describes it really quite clearly throughout. It calls us throughout to choose Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, the whole scripture is a treatise on free will calling man to choose. And it would be foolish for God to call us to choose to serve him, uh, to choose to uh, receive his son as our savior and his sacrifice on the cross if we didn't practically have the ability to do so. Right? Right. So um, if you want to, I can reference you. So I, I quoted from Acts chapter 13, verse 48. If you want to go to our website, I have about a 45-minute message or so uh, on the subject from the 48th verse of Acts chapter 13. Uh, if you go to calvarychapelparker.com, uh, I think there's only audio for that message. It's a little bit older message of ours, but Acts 13, verse 48, Calvary Chapel Parker. 
Acts.com. If you click on the Messages tab and then click on the New Testament and it'll be in Acts Series 2. And uh, you can you can stream that message or download it and listen to it. And we go through uh, the various scriptures uh, on the subject of election and free will. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. You bet. I hope that helps you. And, you know, I, I think one thing that you've probably realized is, is that um, when you, you go to school, obviously there are great uh, teachers there and there's a lot that can be learned from them. But sometimes they say things that just entirely aren't true and they don't really know what they're talking about. And, and and this is unfortunately a classic example of that. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you very much. That helps a lot. <laughs> you betcha. God bless you, Logan. Uh, thanks for, for calling in. Take care. Yep, you too. Bye. Hey, folks, we got our lines clear. 303-690-3000 if you want to join me on the air. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. Let's uh, go to some text questions here. I got a uh, text question uh it says I'm failing horribly uh, in showing grace. What can I do better? Uh, what can I do to do better in this? I hate being like this, and I, I don't know how to improve in that. Can you give me some tools and verses uh, to help me get better at this? Uh, and uh, really appreciate that text uh, from Liz there. And yeah, the you know I think that the main thing. Uh, well, I don't think uh, I know that that the main thing. Uh, when it comes to grace is is remembering the grace uh, that has been shown to us. And so oftentimes uh, when we're not showing grace to others, it's because we don't have a real perspective uh, of who we are in Jesus Christ. And, and uh, all that we have been given and all that he has done for us and all that, that he has forgiven us of. And so a lot of times we, we can be harsh with others. We can be uh, short with others. Uh, and it's simply by virtue of the fact that, that we've forgotten uh, that, uh, that we are miserable sinners saved by the grace of God and, and that we're not somehow somebody who has perfected themselves or uh, learned the art of living uh, on our own. In fact, uh, we're not even as good as we might think that, that we are some days. And so I think that the main thing is just daily uh, in prayer, going before the Lord and confessing our sin and asking Him uh, for the strength to overcome our sin. And as we do that, we're reminded of who we are, getting into the Word of God. And as James uh, says, looking uh, in a mirror and not forgetting what we look like and, and going away. And, and I think a lot of people look at the Word of God, but they don't see who they really are in relationship uh, to the Word of God. And so they go away uh, with a sense of pride and they begin to then uh, be very ungracious uh, toward others. Uh, I like the the uh, story that, that Jesus told, and I'll have to uh, track down the passage uh, because it slips my mind right now, uh, but where Jesus uh, talked about uh, the man who had, who had been forgiven uh, like a lifetime. If, if you look at the text, um, he'd been forgiven a lifetime's worth of, of debt. But then he goes uh, to his brother, and for a relatively uh, few days' worth of debt, he has him thrown into into debtor's uh, prison. And, uh, you know, when we look at that, we see uh, our tendency to kind of be forgiven much by God, uh, but to then hold the smallest uh, things uh, against others. And, uh, you know, I think the passage... 
Uh, I'm looking right now and try to track down. I believe it's in Luke chapter 7, uh, but I'll have to track that down. Uh, but uh, the idea is there is, is that so oftentimes, um, you know, we uh, basically we're forgiven all of this by God, but then we go and we hold the smallest things. And so uh, it's remembering uh, what God has done for us and then uh and, and and then that has a way of changing our hearts now practically you know you may understand that but you may say well i'm still struggling then to uh to 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 do this uh you know then it just becomes a matter of going before the lord in prayer and and recognizing and saying lord you know i just i don't real i, I don't really know why it is that i can't be uh, as gracious as i'd like to be and and would you just pour out your spirit uh upon me and uh, and cause me to be the gracious person that you'd uh, have me to be. So what I'm going to do is, I'm, like I said, I think that's in the seventh chapter. I have to track it down. Uh, but uh, uh, I believe it's in the seventh chapter of, uh, of the Gospel of Luke. But I got to go and and kind of look for it and uh, see if I can if I can find that out for you. But a uh, great question from Liz there. And uh, let's go to Nick in Denver. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Nick, can you hear me? Uh, yeah. Ah, there you are. Yeah, I can hear you now. Welcome to the program. Uh, Hi. Yep. What's on your mind? Uh, well, I recently graduated from college, uh, with an accounting degree, you know, sort of my practical life degree, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it's sort of been on my heart to go back to school and get a biblical studies degree. Okay. Um, just because, you know, I, I'm... I love reading the Bible, and you know, I'd like to know how to study more and understand it more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking at schools, and I see like normal state universities that have biblical studies degrees. Sure. And I see seminaries that mm-hmm. have master's degrees. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of wondering where to start, where to look. Yeah, it, it depends. I think really what you want to do with with it, and it also depends on on what educational approach you want to take. And so uh, let's talk about the first, uh, what what you might want to do with, with your degree. Uh, if it's strictly for your own edification or maybe uh, for uh, some uh, use uh, serving in your church or just in your life, in your family or your future family, um, one way that, that you can approach it is you can approach the traditional route. Uh, as you mentioned, you, you have your degree in accounting and you can go back to a state uh, university or even a private university. And you can uh, take classes in in biblical studies or uh, in you know comparative religions with you know inclusion of biblical studies and so forth, and and you can kind of go that route. Um, one thing that you're going to typically get, even uh, unfortunately, even in so-called uh, Christian schools, sometimes is somewhat of a, a of a liberal view of things. Um, not always, but depending on the school, but but sometimes, uh, uh, you know, somewhat of a liberal understanding, well, very much a liberal understanding of things. Uh, but as long as you're grounded, that's not necessarily unuseful, and it might be a real opportunity not only to learn what uh, uh, how an unbeliever views the Bible, but how to best uh, share that. Now, the other route that you can go is, is uh, like Calvary Chapel, for example. We have the Calvary Chapel Bible College, and the Calvary Chapel Bible College 
is a place where that you can go, and it's usually a two-year program. Although I think they might have a bachelor's program now, and uh, some of the churches have master's programs or master's level programs now uh, for pastoral ministry and things like that. But you can go that route, and you're going to get a, a much more, uh, I, I would say, uh, uh, faithful portrayal of of the scriptures and biblical studies. Um, so, uh, but the the disadvantage that you might have is is that if you're looking to go into academia or something like that, a lot of times these programs don't have the same accreditation uh, that they do at some of the secular universities. So that's why I said it kind of depends on what you're you're going to do with it. If you're looking to go uh, more into academia, maybe you want to teach something like this down the road, uh, or you're looking to do research or or write or something like that, then you may need to go a little bit more of the traditional route and just make sure you're grounded. If it's, if it's for your benefit and more ministry-related, then you might want to go through something more uh, along the lines of, of, of what I was talking about through Calvary Chapel or another organization like that. Now, beyond that, those are just biblical studies. That's just going to give you kind of a, a background in Scripture or a certain aspect uh, of Christianity. If you're looking then to go into more of a specific ministry, say pastoral ministry, uh, then what you would typically do after college, and you don't need a, a biblical studies degree to do this, you could do this with your accounting degree. Um, you could just go and then to uh, uh, attend a seminary uh, that you choose and are accepted to, Dallas Theological Seminary, Denver Seminary, uh, wherever you, you choose, and it may be. Uh, there are different seminaries. Some are uh, very sound, some are more liberal, uh, and you just have to choose carefully. But then you can go that route, and it is a it is a master's level uh, degree, or sometimes a PhD level degree that you would acquire from there. But typically, you're acquiring that type of degree uh, more for a professional purpose. Okay, so yeah, I think that helps a lot. Yeah, so it depends. But I can say this, that if your goal is to be in ministry, maybe, or 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 to be used by God. You know, the degree may be the route that you want to go, but I know a lot of people that are being used mightily by the Lord that are pastoring churches or that uh, are authors or uh, are speakers or are gifted in a certain area, and they haven't necessarily gone that route. And they've been able, there are a lot of different ways to acquire knowledge these days. Okay. Okay. And so, yeah. Just just be open to whatever God has for you, and if it is, uh, I have a, a lot of friends with masters and PhDs, and and uh, a lot of them are are just faithfully serving the Lord. And then I have a lot of friends; um, they have an, a high school diploma, and uh, you you may not necessarily be able to tell the difference always between the two of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Okay. So I, I does that does that uh, give you a little bit more information for you to make the choices that you need to make? Yeah, definitely. That helps a lot. Okay. Well, great. I appreciate the call, Nick. God bless you. Awesome. Thanks. You too. Yep. Take care. Hey, let's go to Dominic in Lakewood. Dominic, welcome to the program. Thank you. How's it going? Uh, doing, doing okay. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. What's on your mind today? Um, I just had a quick question um, about uh, speaking in tongues. Okay. As uh, um, I've always uh, heard that uh, you know people uh, acquire a gift of speaking in tongues, right? And uh, when I've seen it, uh, it, it was uh, it's usually you know like uh, uh, noises and stuff that I can't really make out or understand, right? Uh, never in like a certain language or dialect. Sure. Um, 
And so I, I've, I've been a little confused about it just because. Sure. In uh, in Matthew, when it talks about them, uh, or I'm sorry, in, I believe it's in Acts uh, right. when they talk about the uh, the tongues on fire uh, coming and resting on uh, on uh, uh, people, and then they yep. they were speaking in different tongues, and uh, yep. uh, it's, it talks about different languages and how they marveled because they heard uh, you know these people heard their own language, mm-hmm. um, and I was wondering in reference to the other scriptures of, of uh, how it says other tongues. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was uh, the voices that I've heard or if it was actual other languages um, through the Holy Spirit. Right. So um, the answer to the question is, in Scripture, we seem to see both. Um, you mentioned Acts chapter 2. Um, we see that that in verse 4, they began to speak with other <clears throat> Other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In verse 11, it says, Cretans and Arabs, the wonderful works of God. So clearly what we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, um, they spoke in, in unlearned languages. So they had this, this supernatural ability to speak in languages that, that they hadn't learned. And But we also see uh, over in the book of 1 Corinthians, we see uh, that there are tongues of men, and that there are tongues of angels. And Paul talks about, uh, about uh, praying in a tongue. And he talks about how he doesn't speak edification to men, but how uh, he, he speaks to God. And so we see that, that, that in Scripture, uh, there seem to be a couple of different uh, aspects uh, of the gift of tongues. And so we see this idea uh, uh, that we can speak in a different language, but as some people sometimes call it uh, uh, speaking in a prayer language, and that there seems to be a spiritual aspect of the gift of tongues uh, where, where we speak to God. And so uh, we find that uh, over... I'm looking right now in the 12th chapter is kind of where that starts in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I'll have to find the exact uh, verse for you here. Uh, but he talks about uh, how uh, when he speaks in tongues, uh, how he doesn't speak to men, uh, but to God. And so the idea there is is that you could be experiencing something uh, when you see people and they're not uttering something that seems to be an intelligible language. It could be something that is entirely spiritual in nature. But really, we also see uh, in 1 Corinthians there that when tongues are in operation in, in a public sphere, that there is supposed to be interpretation. And so because that way that there is uh, edification uh, for uh, the entire body. And so there needs to be an interpretation of the tongues. We see that in the 14th chapter uh, in the 5th verse uh, of 1 Corinthians. He says, I wish you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets that the church may receive edification. And then uh, he says, before that was the verse that I was looking for. Uh, he says, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And, uh, and, and the point he's talking about there is he's talking about when he speaks in tongues, he talks about mysteries uh, that he speaks uh, in tongues in the second verse. And the idea is, is it's like uh, this spiritual language between uh, him and God and not even the person necessarily understanding it, but receiving private edification. And so the idea is, is that that has a private place in the life of the believer, uh, but that in public, 
whatever form of tongues is being used, there needs to, it needs to be something uh, that there is somebody there who can accurately interpret it. So then, in, in effect, as 1 Corinthians 14 points out, it's prophecy or speaking forth the mind of God for the edification of the church. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so, so the answer, the, the simple answer to the question is, in Scripture we see a couple different. In 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, Acts chapter 2, are the passages that I was referring to, we see a couple of, of uh, different aspects of, of the relation or, or of the, the, the gift of tongues. And uh, he says, if I pray in verse 14, in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. So uh, he says, uh, I will pray in the spirit and I'll also pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit and I'll also sing with understanding. And so there's this idea that there is this spiritual language, this tongue, uh, and then there is also the ability to speak with other tongues. Both are found in the New Testament. Awesome. Okay, that, that really clears up, clarifies it for me. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. There's a lot of questions around the gift of tongues, and that's because I think that, unfortunately, sometimes uh, there's a lot of abuse of, of the gift, and, and it confuses people. I see. Okay. Yeah. Yep, you okay, bet. Thank you. Yeah, you bet. God bless you. Take care, Dominic. Hey, let's go to Joel. Joel, welcome to the program. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. I had a um, question in um, John um, chapter 21, verse 20. He, he, there's they're talking about, and I believe it's Judas Iscariot, being with them when Christ revealed himself to um, uh, Simon Peter in the boat and, and some of the other disciples. Is that, was it really Judas Iscariot? And, and, and if so, is that meaningful in the point where maybe Jesus wanted to give him one last chance to repent? And, and so you said, John, what, what's the passage? Because I think I either looked up the wrong passage you said, because I'm not seeing Judas in this passage. What, what passage are you asking it, about? No, it doesn't say. It, it just says that uh, one of the disciples whom what, what's, Jesus what's the verse, though? Said, um, it's chapter 20, verse 21. Okay, yeah, I went to the wrong chapter. Sorry, let me, let me go to the... So you're saying John chapter 20, verse 21 is what you're asking about. Yeah. Jesus... Uh, so Jesus said, peace as, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So receive the Holy Spirit. That's, that's, that doesn't have anything to do with the Judas. No. So no, maybe we so got... What is, so um, hold on, let me find it. Sorry. Yeah, so that's um, all right. I just want to make sorry. sure that I get the right passage for you. So, so, so what, um, basically what, what they were saying is that <laughs> um, uh, Simon Peter asks, uh, what about him? Oh, and, that's John. Yeah. Right, John. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that's the Apostle John. Okay. That he's talking about, yeah, and so that's that's uh, okay. I know which passage you're talking about. Yeah, so so basically, um, yeah. Let me get to that. Let me pull that passage it, up. It, yeah. So it says Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved and was fo- was following them. Mm-hmm. This is the one who had leaned against the back of Jesus at the supper. And... Yep. Yep. And that's okay. so. So basically, yeah. Okay. So you're, yeah, you are talking. Okay, you are talking about John chapter twenty-one, verse twenty, and and. Um, so I was a little confused. Yeah, so Sorry. Judas – no, that's all right. It's, it's, it's my fault. I probably wasn't listening as well as I should have. But uh, Judas by this point is dead. Um, so okay. he's, already, he's already taken his life. Of course um, – so this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And, and what um, – basically, um, 
you know, Jesus, if you look at, at the section before, he, he says, when you're younger, you girded yourself and you walked where you wish. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying but what, by what death he would glorify God. Um, of course, that, that Peter was going to die uh, as a martyr. And then when he said this, he said, follow me. But, but Peter turned around and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, that's John's way of referring to himself. He does that often. He refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And we know that's the case um, because he was the disciple at the Last Supper uh, who had leaned on Jesus' breast. And he said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? And so Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus oh, okay. said, and so Jesus, so, so Jesus has told him, hey, you're going to die this kind of death. And Peter says, well, but what about John? That, that, that's the idea. Well, what's going to happen to John? Is he going to have to suffer the same thing that I'm going to suffer? And so uh, Jesus then uh, said to him, he said, uh, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? But then um, John points out himself, but Jesus and people came to say that, that John wasn't going to die, but John points out that Jesus didn't really say that. Interestingly enough, John was the only disciple, was the last of the disciples, uh, as we understand it historically, to die. He died uh, at uh, probably probably over 100 years old, uh, in Ephesus after being released from exile on the island of Patmos, which is where he wrote the book of Revelation. Uh, it's not because they didn't try to, to kill him. Uh, tradition has it that he was. Uh, they attempted to martyr him uh, on a couple of occasions, uh, but the Lord uh, spared him, including having him dipped in boiling oil before he was exiled to the island of Patmos, but he survived. And so uh, that's just kind of an interesting aside to that. So the answer to your question is, is, is Jesus is talking to Peter about the Apostle John. Okay, thank you so much. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Good question there. I'm glad, I'm glad I finally figured out what exactly it was that, that we were dealing with, so I wasn't answering the wrong question for you. Sorry about that. Appreciate your call, Joel. And let's go to Michael uh, in Maryland. Michael, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you for taking the call. I do appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. I appreciate uh, you, you joining me here on the program. What's on your mind? Well, yeah, I wanted to, to just a thought to ponder, and I've been trying to ponder and come up with different answers. What was, what do you think God's purpose in creating uh, the tree of good and knowledge? What, what purpose did that tree have in, in the garden? Uh, do you think that it had some sort of, uh, the consequence of eating it, it altered the biology of a perfect uh, cellular body of a human, or was it the disobedience that God mm-hmm. himself simply cursed man, that the fruit had no, right. no dawning, no, but it was wh- God who... Yeah, well, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get cut off. On. Yeah, we're gonna get cut off here, Michael. Unfortunately, so let me just answer you as best I can with the short time that we have. Um, the sure. tree. I think that that the primary purpose that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, other than providing knowledge of good and evil, was that it served to offer men a choice. And we talked earlier to uh, I think our first caller about this idea of of free will and free will and choice for that to exist you have to have the ability to choose to do otherwise and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yes it did provide knowledge of good and evil but also it gave man a choice 
a choice as to whether or not he was going to be obedient to God uh, or whether or not he was not going to be uh, obedient to God. He chose not to. Uh, I don't think that there was anything biologically sinister about it other than it, it ultimately brought consequences because of sin, not because of the tree. Hey, I got to run. God bless you, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Calvary Live. Calvary Live will be back tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.